of those seminal moments for me. Um, there was an exercise that one of my coaches had given me, um, and it was to define success for myself in in three sentences. And I had to finish the sentence, I know I'm successful when, mm. or I know I'm successful if, and then three different ways. And what I realized um, is I was a hundred percent focused on financial, but it was only money was the only way I had linked it. And I had never been given the freedom to choose anything different. Like that's what went in. That's how, what got stuck. And that exercise as I started, I could have money for one of them, like to have the resources, but two other ones. And then I got to really get into it. And for me, it was, for me personally, it was having an abundance of energy and feeling full of life all day long, every day, right? That was, so it was a health one, kind of a, and then the other one was helping as many people uh, live the life of their dreams as possible. Yeah, Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. I have one goal in mind, for our time spent together. I hope to leave you a little bit better than you were when you push play in your heart and in your mind, in your leadership. I'm Ryan Hartley. I am the founder of Always Better Than Yesterday. We believe that if we can help more people lead with love, to be the types of leaders that are going to give purpose and meaning and safe spaces for great people to come and contribute their gifts and their talents to contribute to something bigger than themselves to then go home happier healthier more loving human beings for those who need them if we can do that and we can create more heart-centered leaders in the world we believe they will then go on to create a world that is always better than yesterday if this is the first time that you are joining us the podcast is an extension of our facebook community come and join us over on facebook we are always better than yesterday a community of over 700 like-hearted human beings from all around the world come as you are and hopefully leave a little bit better these interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at web creation head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today, on episode 139, I am joined by Jeff Bayeto. Jeff and I had an amazing conversation on his Enjoy Success podcast. He is the host. He is also the Chief Operating Officer of Enjoy Global, for which he is the co-founder. Jeff and I are going to be having another conversation a bit later that Uh, than this podcast about the great services that they provide coaches speakers and authors helping turn uh, challenges into ways where coaches speakers and authors can serve their audience and do this really cool thing called gamification we have a great conversation about jeff about what success means to him about how enjoy global um, use gamification and and some of the ethics involved and ultimately he shares a heart and mind just like what we do here at always better yesterday that is about helping people live a life full of energy being someone they love doing what they love and ultimately being the best version of themselves for those who need them so here we go episode 139 
with Jeff Bayetto. Enjoy, my friends. Jeff, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, my friend. How are you? Really good. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. It's so good. I'm really grateful that I got to come and spend some time with you. Um, And the interesting question that you asked me first was, what does success mean to you? What does success mean to Ryan Hartley? And first and foremost, before I ask you your definition, why that question? Why, Why success? You know, I'll tell you, um, it, it actually, uh, it was one of those seminal moments for me. Um, there was an exercise that one of my coaches had given me, um, and it was to define success for myself in, in three sentences. And I had to finish the sentence, I know I'm successful when, mm. or I know I'm, I'm successful if, and then three different ways. And what I realized um, <laughs> is I was 100% focused on finance, but it was only money was the only way I had linked it. And I had never been given the freedom to choose anything different. Like that's what went in. That's how, what got stuck. And that exercise as I started, I could have money for one of them, like to have the resources, but two other ones. And then I got to really get into it. And for me, it was, for me personally, it was having an abundance of energy and feeling full of life all day long, every day, right? That was, so it was a health one kind of a, and then the other one was helping as many people uh, live the life of their dreams as possible. And that's like all of a sudden together, those three (laughs) things completely changed like how I made decisions. That was a new filter. So, um, so that was real pivotal for me. And I, I think I'm not alone that, that some people do get kind of constrained by what society says it is. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's just nice to have the, the conversation with people who are really living successfully holistically Mm, mm, i love that i love that i was doing a little bit of digging as as you do when you've got guests coming on and i see that you have a a degree in spiritual psychology and and that's uh, an interesting phrase i'd never really heard before spiritual psychology it almost feels a little bit heart and mind talk to us about spiritual psychology and why was that a thing for you yeah you know, it's a really beautiful concept. Um, and it's, there's only a couple programs in the world that kind of mm-hmm. focus on that and do a degree in it. And uh, the story there is I was, I'm a self-proclaimed kind of self-help kid. I, <laughs> a, in, eighth, in eighth grade, I had what they clinically diagnosed as like a bad attitude. And, um, yeah. and my dad, to his credit, instead of writing it off as those terrible preteen years, he gave me Earl Nightingale's Strangest Secret in the World cassette tape back then. Mm-hmm. Um, which I reluctantly listened to. And then I listened to again, and then I really listened to, and, and it set me on a path of uh, consuming as much of this great material as I could. I became the most positive kid in my hometown by a lot. Um, (laughs) There's not a lot of, I was from a very small town, so that's not saying that much, but it really set me on a different path. Uh, The power of our thoughts, the power of, um, of goals and all of those things. And so, um, and Ryan, I told, oh, oh, and so spiritual, so Fast forwarding, I knew I wanted to be in the industry of kind of helping people and the psychology was super important to me. But this idea of connecting that we are more than just this, whatever that mm. means, but that we have power, like our thoughts create. And I think people have, have heard that and it feels woo-woo on one side, but there's more and more science always backing it up. Yeah. Um, and people like Dr. Joe Dispenza um, have really done a lot of good uh, in this and 
Um, Bruce Lipton has been really powerful. So there's a lot more science coming in, but mm -hmm. that it, the, my program had a little bit of that slant and I met someone kind of coincidentally in line at a, at a restaurant in Austin, Texas, who had just completed this program. I ended up talking to her for a couple minutes and I had never been listened to like she listened to me. I mm -hmm. never felt someone in a restaurant filled with people completely <laughs> become present with me. And I was, and she said, I just completed this program. I, like, I just want to know more about her. And, I, and so I looked into it and I, and I applied that, you know, the next day. Um, that was, uh, I wanted that. Um, so that was the way I found it. And all of a sudden life is different just based on that interaction. Yeah. I love pulling the threads, right? Like, because it, it, it does go back and often, you know, any of these little things that could have changed. And so that, that ends mm. up being a, a way to get to gratitude for all of it, right? Mm. I love that. And uh, another thing that will instantly change your life overnight is becoming a, a father. I know that you're a very proud father to a young man. What did that do for you? Oh, you know, um, I mean, so many, like that's my, that, like easily you're gonna have to rein me in because I just love talking about my son <laughs> and being a dad. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest deal is when I, if I was being totally honest, I hadn't felt unconditional love for anyone sure. ever before. It was, I thought I'd, you know, I love my parents. I love my wife, but there was, you know, easily ways that they could earn more or get less. <laughs> and then this little being came and it does not matter. It, and even when he's uh, having a little tantrum or he's, I, it doesn't matter. I'm like, uh, there's no place I'd rather be. There's no one I'd rather be with my heart completely. That's just a, that, that was a brand new experience for me. And one that I, I know some people get with other, in other ways, but it's just mm -hmm. been like, life is just better with a heart that's, that's more open. So it's just been, he's, he's been kind of that uh, way shower, just like, this is, this is how to live like life feeling love for someone so much. And then that has easily, it's been much easier to extract that and say like, well, if I could just kind of like people a little bit more, uh, you know, closer to how, I, how much I love my son, um, I'd be a much better person. Yeah. Mm. You, um, are, through your, through your company organization, which will come to you in a second, you, you power a number of blogs and you talk about corporate culture. Do you think like leaders get anywhere close to feeling the same feelings for the work and the teams that they, that they work with and lead? the same feelings as I the hope they would or love. Yeah. Unconditional love. You, you know, great leaders do in, mm. in any industry. I think they really get that their role is to bring the best out in another. And mm. the relationship is kind of parental, you know, just the way that I would be with my son. It's not about telling him exactly what to do. Uh, although I do that sometimes, but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's about creating the environment where he can flourish and great leaders do the exact same thing. And when they do, and they watch someone grow in a way that they weren't there the year before or six months before, I think they, most of them feel a little bit of that kind of, I don't know, pride in like watching or supporting mm -hmm. someone flourish. And so I think great, fam uh, great companies do have a family feel uh, mm -hmm. and great leaders do create teams where they feel very connected personally, mm. um, you know, to the people in their, in their organization. Mm. It was the changing point for me. I became a, a first line manager and a parent around about the same time in my point in life. 
so I had a very um, clear example of what I felt was uh, the same thing. You know, like you say, you're nurturing, you're supporting, you're grow, you're helping a human being grow, and you're, you're, I felt that level of responsibility for the people that I, I was leading as well. So that was very transformational for me. Talk to us about Enjoy Global, the the role that you have. How did that become? And what great work do you do in the world? Yeah, thank you. So uh, we've been around about 10 years and uh, our name was very purposely chosen. Um, mm. One for our team to be, for us to be creating a culture where people really were in joy with the work they were doing on purpose and feeling like, and knowing that they were contributing on a, in a big way to something they, they believed in. So what we do, uh, we have a product and it uh, makes growing a game it makes it makes change a game and so we have a platform it turns content into a, a challenge um, 30 day challenges have been what we do and so we've worked with a lot of big organizations um, to help them shape their culture where they work on emotional intelligence or they work on the core values of their mm -hmm. company and it's a way for people to actually practice whether you're the ceo or you are the janitor um, every day there's a way for you to put emotional intelligence into practice or um, one of the leadership behaviors that the company wants everybody. So there's always a way and to wrap that up into a, a little game where there's a little sense of community, there's some prizes, um, it, there's a lot of positive reinforcement for everything you do and just celebrating mm -hmm. the, the wins. It, it becomes really a, a good use of like a social media platform. Like it's a social media with a focus mm -hmm. um, where there's community, where people are only cheering for each other, high-fiving or commenting or celebrating. So that in corporate America. And then I'll tell you, since the pandemic hit, mm. um, we've had a chance to work with coaches, trainers, speakers, and authors. And this has become a real sweet thing that we were hoping to someday get to where they're using our platform to turn their amazing content, their books, their coaching programs into challenges to, to scale. So that, you know, as a coach, you can, there's only so many hours in a week, so mm -hmm. you can only help so many people, but most coaches have it in their heart that they really want to just help as many people as possible. So now we have coaches who have 150 people in a challenge, uh, you know, 60 people over here, 80 people there. And now they're, and they're able to do that kind of on a global scale um, as one of two things, as a lead in to deeper mm. work or, or just to give more people a chance to experience them, which is really beautiful. So uh, those are a couple of our uh, passions and, and areas of expertise. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, you and I are obviously going to have some conversations after this, but um, it's uh, the, the concept of gamification, gamification. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but however you say it, it's going to sound better than how I say it. Awesome, <laughs> well, half my audience is English. So um, what is important about, you know, gamifying or having that gamification as part of the challenge. What difference does that make? Yeah, you know, done correctly. So I come from the video game industry. Um, mm. And so I was a, a, I was a partner in a video game publishing company in Austin, Texas for, for several years at the mm. beginning of my career. And um, the reason that's important is because as an industry, they studied billions of points of data to see what keeps us playing stuff. Mm. And they found that there's seven elements of a game um, that trigger certain parts of our brain to want more. Um, mm. And I always tell, I always ask if, if there's parents that I'm talking to, I always mm. say parents have known this for thousands of years. Like um, 
you know, my son's name is Bodhi, he's six. And the example I always give uh, as to the power of gamification is um, if I want Bodhi to clean his room, uh, one experience is I can make him. I'm the dad, I'm bigger than he is. That's one mm -hmm. experience. But if I tell him about the little boy in New York who currently holds the world record for the fastest cleaning up of a room ever, it's four minutes and 32 seconds. And I don't think it'll ever be, ever be beaten. But if he wants to give it a try, I'm happy to get the stopwatch. Papa, Papa get the stopwatch. I know I can do it. Now he gets the exact same thing done, but his experience of it is totally different. Yeah. So as adults, it turns out we're not that much different. If we can trick our brain into feeling like we're playing something or a part of a challenge, we can turn something as hard as forming a new habit into something we actually look forward to doing. Mm. So that's really when done correctly, gamification can be a huge uh, game changer. That's a, no pun yeah. intended, but that, yeah, it can be a, a powerful tool. But as humans, we want to do more of what is fun, right? Yes. And there's, and when people say fun, like, I think I would like to just mention this, like there's four things that all of us crave to bring our best self forward. We all want to feel valued mm -hmm. is number one. That's always for employees, especially that's the number one complaint every year mm -hmm. in the, yeah. Number two is we want to feel connected to others. We just, we're communal, we're communal beings. We feel better when we're connected. Third, we want to feel like what we're doing matters, that what, that we're contributing contributing to something bigger than ourselves, no matter what our role is, that we get that connection. And then third, fourth, and finally, that we feel like we're growing personally and or professionally, that we can stop every now and then look back and say, you know, a year ago, um, today, I'm a much better version of myself than I was a year ago. To the degree that we experience those things, you know, fun, in my, in my definition of that would be a fully engaged human being. Like that's, then life is fun. It can still be challenging, you know, mm. so fun sometimes to people means light and easy and this, but, but fun for me in that, in that regard is fully engaged in life. And, mm. and so using, you know, the tools you can, we can create that environment where it's mm. not just playful, but it's actually, it's delivering on the, the deeper cravings that we have as humans to bring our best self forward. Yeah. And, and I guess, um, you know, I, I see many apps now as a, as a parent and I look at, you know, my, my kids love dude, perfect, the YouTubers and uh, do all the trick shots and stuff. And they've got an app, which is just riddled with gamification, but little micro transactions of one, you know, buying more or, or you can't now play it for 20 minutes. You need to let this thing recharge. You know, I'm sure that's a gamification that says stop doing something when you love it, because then you don't stop thinking about it. You want to do more. Right. Yeah. But there's some ethics involved to this stuff, right? How do you how do you balance the line of ethics and, and with the work that you do? Yeah, well, for us it's pretty easy. But with any technology, that's always a question, right? Um, the same technology, any of the new technologies can be used for good, can be used for mm. bad. So, um, with us, it's very easy ethically because um, everything that we're doing is designed to support the individual who's going to be using this there's no alter like no one's there are no extra transactions or <laughs> additional ways for us to earn more or make more so that's you know so some of that's immediately taken out the bigger deal um you know again for us is is having a client of ours see that it works for their people like the end users if they're working directly with us or if we're working with a coach for their people to see that this is working and we're, we're upfront about it this is designed to trick your brain like this is <laughs> and if you're listening i think we've just paused i'm going to give 
Jeff a, a moment to return. Hopefully, won't be too long. And if you can still hear me at this point, I just say head to Enjoy Global, the website. There'll be link in the show notes. And be sure to check out uh, the Enjoy Success podcast. I was very fortunate enough to be a guest with Jeff recently. Um, I will share the links to that in the in the comments. There are over a hundred uh, interviews of great human beings as well. So there's there's lots to learn, lots to take away. Um, and I'm just going to pause the recording now and give Jeff a chance to return. And here he is. He is back. I am so sorry. I, I don't I don't know what happened. So I you're all good, my friend. I did my best to fill the time. I was talking about go to your website, <laughs> go check out the podcast. And then thankfully you arrived because it was, it was turning into too much of a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so for us, again, I think it's important for everybody why they're doing something, make sure that you're, you know, again, doing it for pure reasons. But for us, the ethics of that is we're all being manipulated in a lot of ways yeah. uh, every day. So using that to your own advantage and stepping into something that you know is going to be supporting building the muscles that you actually want anyway, um, then it's just playing, you know, then you're a part of the game but you also understand that it is a game. Mm. Why do you think the likes of Tony Robbins are using things like this? Because they work. So like those, you know, they're doing one every, every couple of months now, a better Mm. future, better. And it's because, so the, the fundamental thing is, is that people all want to change. We can ask anybody. They all, we all have new year's resolutions. We all know that we can't keep them. Like everyone's struggling with this idea that we'd like to be better versions of ourselves. Mm. And, and most of the time it doesn't happen. The reason challenges are great is because they give people a little taste, you know, using all of the psychology and the gamification to keep people doing something long enough Mm. to get a new result in their life. But it's, it's set up in a way that's easy for people, no matter how busy they are, it plays on the community, you know, the community effect of having other, having mm. others and some accountability. But once people get a taste of transformation, mm. they're in. Mm. The problem with a book or a course is like the, the most recent data that I saw is only 4% of people complete online courses that they've bought. And it's because we're, it's hard on our own without a support structure to figure out how we're going to do that. And then, mm. and the same with reading. Um, most people are only reading a book a year, if that, and, and the second part is if we just get the information, which is the transfer of knowledge from most books and courses, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we've applied it. So courses or challenges, get people to take action right now. Like it's, it's Tony, it's kind of Tony's big deal is just like stand up right now, shout this, get into state, change state and the challenges do the same thing. Here's something that just do this one thing. You're going to start to have a different experience. Then you do one more thing and so on. So challenges, the reason they all do them is because they work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the foundational part of that is, um, again, it, it gets people into action. So they get a taste yeah. of the new experience that they're actually wanting. Once they get a taste, they want more. I have the Vim Hof app and there yeah. are challenges that he sets within that. And, and I know full well that if I do five cold showers in a row, I'm going to get a sticker. <laughs> and I and I know that it's tracking my activity and I know that you know so if I do one and it's not tracked on the app it's like well did it even happen yeah <laughs> you know so it's uh, it's, it's funny it's, how these and, things can drive human behavior right in, a, in think, a positive way right and that is fun right like because cold showers <laughs> I don't care how long you've been doing Wim Hof, it's just they're never fun but if it's a goal and that's where it's five days ten days a month 
Like yeah. that's part of it too. It's like, get to the five days. Cause there's a, there's a reward and that's, we work well as humans like that. So if we know that we can start to use it to our advantage and really start to create um, change in not only a playful way, but real change, we can actually be, be changing. Most people, the biggest you know regret they have is they wake up one day and they're 65 and it's like, I'm basically repeated the same year for 40, 40 years, mm. you know? And so this, I, I encourage everyone just to find a method to, to make change fun and doable so that um, anything that comes to mind, you know, you can, you can do and be that. Mm. Yeah. So I get the concept. Can you help bring a particular challenge to life? Like if, if I was, if, if there was a, a coach listening that wanted to run a challenge, what sort of things um, might you be able to transform their content with? And what would their challenge look and feel like? Yeah. So it's, the great thing is, again, most coaches have a lot of content. Content is not the question. So like our belief is if, if more people would just dabble in your content, like the world would be a better place. So the way that we structure a challenge is there's seven elements on the, on a challenge, you know, kind of dashboard, only a couple of them, you have to put your content in. So, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it says like here, put your content in here, but the rest of it is like community, you know, it's, it's uh participant based. So everyone's sharing, for example, we're big proponents of positive psychology, which is basically just, if we can get people into a positive state, yep. they're much more likely to stick with something, have more mm-hmm. fun doing it. And there's the cool thing about that is they found that there's some simple exercises that no matter where we fall in the continuum, everyone can learn to move themselves into a positive state more frequently mm-hmm. and stay there longer with practice. So part of the challenge that's just built in is um, a community section it works a lot like a, a news feed on Facebook, but it's just mm-hmm. sharing small daily wins. So mm-hmm. you, as the coach, you don't really have to do anything, but you can watch all your participants sharing their wins around whatever topic you're working on. Mm-hmm. And then you can high five and you can comment and so can other people. And it becomes a really beautiful connective tissue, but you don't have to do a lot. And it's providing reinforcement. It's mm-hmm. providing a nice habit building for celebrating the process. Uh, we also do that with gratitude. So there's a couple sections that are just user-driven, like their user content. Then the places where they would take their content, we're big proponents, again, of dripping out a little bit of content over time. That's mm. the best way for humans to learn. So there's a coach's corner, for example, and every other day, basically, of a challenge, um, it's programmed to drop one nugget of wisdom, one anecdote, something. But again, most coaches have you know, hours and hours and hours of this, so it's not... So you just curate like for a 30 day challenge, 14 of those, and then they're scheduled and they drip out. People get a chance to absorb them, live with them for a day, try them on and then get another one. So that's, it, it becomes a really nice way to get a little content and get into action, a little content, get into action, um, which is a nice, then people start self-selecting. It's like, oh my goodness, I found my person. Uh, Ryan's really helping me, you know, like this is working. And so not only do they say yes to whatever's next, whether it's one-on-one coaching or a bigger course, they tell people like I found someone. <laughs> and so, you know, that's what we're all looking for. And, and, uh, and that's why, you know, again, having a good system and being able to take some of your great content and just plug it in, uh, but not have to figure out the system is uh, a real, you can, you can literally in, in an hour set up a challenge and, and look more professional or as professional as Tony Robbins, who's got a huge team and spending millions of dollars mm. uh, to set up his. I love that. And I love talking to you in, 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 in a way that you're clearly someone who is energized by the work that you do. You, you seem like you love it. 
Like, why this? I mean, I, I, it goes back to that little kid. Like I <laughs> realized like good content changes the game. Um, but only if I used it, as soon as I would stop mm -hmm. reading or stop doing something, I would fall back and quickly become a less good version of myself. So this idea of, again, being able to enjoy life, become the person I actually really want to be is personal. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone on our team feels the same way. And they've all been clients or use the product and seen like, oh my goodness, like I'm actually better with my wife or I'm better with my kids. Mm -hmm. Not only, it's not only work-related. And so that mission of, again, my definition of success, one of those was helping as many people live the life of their dreams as possible. Mm -hmm. This in a small way is allowing, like one, I get to work with people who I would easily pay to be in their company because they're just amazing coaches and authors and trainers. And, and to support them getting their work out into the world and help ultimately, you know, that kind of ripple effect, those end users become better versions of themselves, enjoy their life more in hopefully because we played a small role in, in facilitating uh, and creating a way that was mm. easy for them to do that. I love that. You know, the, the episode that's just gone out today, 137 with Brian Fermato, he's the CEO of a company called Leadersurf. He takes executives on leadership retreats and he teaches them uh, how to surf, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's a transformational experience. The reason I'm raising that is because I think too often people miss the fact that you can do what you love and help people. And those two things, it's a, it's a we rise by lifting others mentality. You know, you it's, do what you love, use your gifts and your talents, and you're rewarded with the fulfillment and the growth and I, I'll, and I'll tell you, that was not an easy lesson. I heard that young, you know, again, listening to people, but I couldn't figure it out. I, I really thought like, if I could just make enough money so I can retire, then I can do all the things that I want. And yeah. I, I didn't have that uh, belief that it could be the same thing. Um, so it took me a long time, like it, yeah. you know, meandering around and kind of years and years of trying different things, but all of it looking back as that great Steve Jobs talk at Stanford, like the dots have connected. And I think that's one thing I would just for people, if you're, if you are listening, if you're, if you're checking into what does move you and, and starting to pay attention to those things, mm. it might take a little while, but the pieces are starting to come together. And there is something that's, when you look back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, I had to do that because yeah. that, 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 you know, uniquely qualified me to do this and then this, and then all of a sudden here I am uh, right where I, I didn't even know uh, I wanted to be. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? I don't know how you feel about this, what I'm about to say, but I look back and I think the biggest rejections, the biggest no's, the biggest pain, they were all necessary. Either they, they almost became the greatest things that never happened to me. Mm. Right? I mean, there's, there's a, another way I've heard that said is um, the worst thing, like if they, they've done a study where they've asked people, what's the very worst thing that's ever happened to you? And then they asked that same group, what's the best thing that ever happened to you? And then they asked, is that, is it correlated any, in any way? And like 85 to 89% of the very best thing that's ever happened to anybody was directly correlated to the very worst yeah. thing that's ever happened to them, whether it's a, a rejection, a no, something not working out. Um, or, or sometimes, uh, you know, just falling apart in different ways, but out of that. So I think it's beautiful because it brings up the idea that life is more circular mm. and that it's not, you know, we're not going to experience all only this it's, it's a cycle. And so if we just understand we're in a different stage of the cycle, it can <laughs> hopefully hurt less 
when we're not experiencing what we think we want mm. um, until we get to a place where we're, you know, experiencing the feelings we do want. You and I had great conversation around love and energy and Joe Dispenza and heart math. And um, how does that show up in your life? You're busy, you, you're an executive, you, you're running a company, you, you're a father, husband, like you, you, all these things. And uh, that's a constant depletion of energy through serving. How do you, how do you fill yourself up? Uh, thank you. Uh, this is, um, this is a really interesting, I'm gonna try to keep this a shorter, shorter <laughs> version of the story, but when the pandemic hit, yeah. um, all of a sudden I wasn't traveling to meetings. I had permission to stay at home and I had been saying that I wanted to up-level my self-care for a long time. I think a lot of people, you know, like, okay, I know I need to do this. I'd mm-hmm. like to do this more. Um, well, I finally had, you know, no excuse. And I'd been listening to some people and they're like, you gotta, you know, you should be doing these things. And I kept saying, yeah, I should be doing those things. And I finally started, started doing a couple and it was unbelievable. My self-care now is, you know, things I had always wanted to be doing, but I do Wim Hof morning and night, uh, just a kind of a 12 to 15 minute breathing, which really works for me. I've tried meditating a bunch of times. This is the Thing that calms me down. I feel the difference. Um, I got, uh, I finally went to the doctor, had blood work done and to see, and I got, you know, a, a new set of supplements. I did a cleanse and, you, you know, just mm. those things where all of a sudden I was like feeling better and better. My energy was good. Mm. And the last kind of key to the puzzle was sleep. And um, I just never slept well. I was always, and yeah. I started with the meditation helped. Um, I started uh, having a little nighttime ritual. Um, and, and then I, and then I got, I don't know if you've heard of eight sleep, but I got this bed that's now temperature controlled. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it totally like, so now I sleep cool, like, <laughs> and my quality of sleep has changed. So, good. so anyway, I would, my recommend, my thing is, is like, that is not something to postpone, right? I'm also getting older and uh, I want to be a young, you know, I want to feel young for my son and, and I want to be around for a while. Mm. So self-care, I just hope everybody just like wherever it is on the list, if it's not number one. Uh, move it up, move it up mm. and, uh, and figure out little things that do support you and feel good because my wife makes fun of me now, but my self-care ritual is so ridiculous all through the day. There's different, mm. she's like, I have skincare pro-. Like now I say yes to everything. I've got skincare products and she's like, this is, and, but, but she's now into it and she's now, you know, like, yeah. so it does have a, a nice pass on effect as well to those around us. I love it. You know, I love it. And I'm smiling so much because here's a guy that's really got it he's he's understood that by investing in himself he is infinitely better for those who need him and isn't that the isn't that the real reason behind self-care self-love yeah i you know i think to enjoy you know that coming home the last thing i'd say on this is you know i was thinking the right thoughts but i didn't Mm. feel Mm. how i wanted to feel i thought positively i said positive things but I didn't feel grateful. I didn't feel in love with what I was doing or often with the people I was around. And that was a huge disconnect. And so I think again, to our conversation with Joe uh, about Joe Dispenza, like to understand that that heart and mind must connect, that feeling must be attached to the thoughts. Otherwise they're not nearly as powerful and ultimately um, you know, not gonna take root. So I started focusing on my feeling and now doing anything for me to feel better is the starting point to being a better, you know, to being more of service to, to enjoying my life more, which, you know, in a selfish way. And, and I think for everyone to get, if we just all just enjoyed our life more, 
Mm. We all know that we're more patient. We're less judgmental. If we were just like, if we made that the only priority, the world would be, you know, like 180 degrees better tomorrow. If mm. everyone was just focusing on their own, again, not hurting anyone else in the process, but filling themselves up, making sure they were connecting mm. to a feeling of joy or love mm. or gratitude. We talk a lot about it, but for me, it was that it was talk. I could talk about gratitude and I could speak on it even, but I wasn't feeling it until only recently. Yeah, I love that. And the irony is that, you know, this isn't focused on self for hedonistic sake. This is focusing on self so that when we give ourselves what we need, we can show up in the world not needing anything else from anyone. And we realize that the natural state of being human is to collaborate, is to cooperate, is to serve and be kind. It's only when we get subjected to lack of safety, fear, fight, flight, freeze, that we uh, we become self-focused. But um, yeah, I love your perspective on that, my friend. It's um, It's really... Really fascinating. I looked at one of your blogs recently. It said about the four pillars of a positive culture that will uh, power a, a company's success. And f- for the for the listeners, those four were customer focus, productivity, success mindset, and a strong team. And I just love to focus on the success mindset. You've talked about what success means to you as an individual, but how do we as leaders and as teams and as organizations create a culture where we all have this success mindset? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is to start with that the mind is a muscle and, Mm. you know, where a lot of leaders have defaulted and it's, I think it's to the detriment of all of us and everyone understands when they think about it for a moment is that it doesn't work this way, but we would never go to the gym one day in January for two hours and expect to be in shape all year. Mm. We would, that would never be the case. We all understand our physical body needs consistent, repetitive exercise to be optimal. And our mind is the same. And yet we don't have that as like a base layer of support in our organizations or in our families uh, for ourselves, for most of us. And so that's the, the starting point is, is just understanding that the mind is a muscle. And if, you, if we want to create a certain kind of culture where people are positive or they're focused on service or they're mm. really highly um, appreciative uh, or connected to the mission, or they're, um, you know, they're bringing their strengths forward in, in a full and confident way. What we have to do is give them a way to exercise that muscle. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, and again, that's, that's the core is because one great training and that's the problem. Like people will go, they'll have, they'll bring in a, an amazing speaker. It's amazing. And if I'm always moved by a, a story my dad shared is, yeah, he was an optometrist and he said, Every year they go to a conference where they have a keynote speaker. And this one keynote speaker came in and said, I'm going to give you the keys to the, like, this, these are the keys to success. If you do these, I guarantee like life will change. So he talks, he does his great, everyone's standing ovation. Then he says, before I go, I just want you to know, I'm going to be back next year. I'm going to give the exact same talk because only, only 2% of you are going to actually do anything that I just shared. So my challenge is, is prove me wrong. Make it, you know, make it 5%, make it 10%. But that's the thing. One mm. great talk, it makes us feel good. It inspires us. But without some sort of structure, without some sort of accountability, without support, it's very hard to actually create and sustain um, anything. So if just like we, if we want a new marketing plan, we want a new sales plan, a new operation plan, there's structure put in place. Mm. There's, there's accountability. There's milestones. There's key metrics. Same with building culture or mindset. 
you, you just have to approach it in the way we'd approach any other thing that we wanted to develop. Mm. Love that. What does the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you? Mm. To me, you've nailed it with that. Because one, I love that it breaks it down into a 24 hour period. <laughs> and for me, I feel like, again, personally, it was easy for me to get distracted by years in the future, years in the mm. past. When I'm focused on just being a little better than yesterday, that feels doable and it keeps me present. Um, mm. So what it means is present and um, not soft, but present and incre like incremental mm. improvement, which is doable. It mm. feels doable, which I think is, um, I think that's why New Year's resolutions don't, that's why they don't work. You know, I want to lose 30 pounds. That's not doable. I want to, I want to eat, I want to make one nutritional choice <laughs> that's better today than I did yesterday. That's doable. And mm -hmm. the same applies in anything. And most of us can see the big picture. I want that end result, but we'd forget that it's a whole series of days that go into creating a great year. Um, and always better than yesterday really, you know, really nails that. Love that. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll share all your good links in the show notes, but where can people connect with you? Yeah. So um, my name at uh, in LinkedIn, that's a great place to connect with me personally. So Jeff Bietto, and then our, if you're interested at all in the challenge or the work that we do, Enjoy Global is our company. And whether you're an organization or a coach, trainer, speaker, or author, you can get more information on what we do there. I love that. I love that. Would you please leave us with a final thought from your good self? Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, I, I really like you. You just have such, uh, oh, thanks, such a wonderful energy. You're like you're doing exactly what you should be doing. The world's a better place for you having said yes to this. So <laughs> thank you, first of all. Very kind um, of you, my friend. And, you know, I, I think in general, if uh, to everyone listening, if there's something that you know you like is waiting for you, like a, the version of you, I think we all have that, that small voice that speaks to us when we're quiet, when we're falling asleep, and it gives us a little nudge as to what's possible. Mm. And I would just encourage everybody like to get quiet, um, make some space for yourself to start to tune into the knowledge and the wisdom and the direction that you already possess. Mm. Uh, because once you do, then everything falls in line. Once we have that like sense that there's an inner compass pointing in the direction of where you actually want to go, then the rest of, you know, the, the distractions, the noise, it just all goes into its right um, place and, and everything that's important and prioritized, you know, goes to the front. So make the time for, uh, to listen to yourself. Uh, and and uh, I think from there, that would be a, a little takeaway. It's powerful. Jeff, my friend, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. There we go, episode 139 with Jeff Bietto. As I like to do at the end of most interviews, just reflect on some of the really cool key things that stood out for me. And I just really enjoyed hearing about Jeff's definition of success. I think we just live in an external world. I think we live in a, a world that prizes things and possessions, and, and yet the best things in life are, are not things. And Jeff's description of uh, his version of success was was beautiful and one that I think if many adopted would would lead uh, them to being more fully engaged human beings. 
I really enjoyed what he said about um, sometimes the very best and the very worst things that happen to us are often correlated. And you can hear from the, the way I reacted. Absolutely, there are some some of the worst things that ever happened to me have gone on to be some of the uh, things that have enabled my heart to, to expand and grow and be as powerful now as it, as it has. And maybe that resonated with you, I don't know. But thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. If this is your first time, please do subscribe. Please do leave a review. Please do come and be part of our community. Come and let us know um, what's resonating with you. We have over 138 other episodes for you to go and dive into some incredible human beings, including Dr. Gary Chapman, author of The Five Love Languages, including Matthew McConaughey, Oscar-winning actor and, and Green Lights author. There's some incredible people. They're all on YouTube if you're a visual person, or you can check them out here at the podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And until next time, my friends, always love.